Well, hey, last week we, we started in 1 John, and I told you we're going to be marching through uh, the book of 1 John from now through uh, till Easter. And uh, we noted last week that 1 John was written to address some, some false teachings that had found their way into the church. And I want to give you a little bit of history on some of that false teaching, because as you understand uh, the context, what was being taught out there. And then you read 1 John, you start to realize, wow, a lot of what 1 John is writing, he's actually addressing some false teachings rather than just, uh, hey, I felt like writing this to you today for no apparent reason. Um, and, and then it, it, brings, it brings some meaning uh, into that. So uh, during the first and second century, um, there, there was a rise of what we call Gnosticism. Um, it's different than agnosticism, so don't, don't get the two confused. If someone says they're an agnostic, uh, that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about uh, Gnosticism without the A. So some, some core beliefs, and Gnosticism in itself is so uh, wide, not widespread as far as number of people, but just in their thoughts and um, how they live it out, and the beliefs that it's really hard to uh, just nail it down. But there are some core things that we can point to in Gnosticism. One of them is this, that they believed that humans are divine souls that are trapped in the ordinary material world. So that the soul, the, the, the essence of the person, is, is divine and, and godly and whatnot, and it's trapped in this material world, and it's seeking to be released from it. And there's this belief that all material things, uh, our body, our flesh included, are flawed or evil. And uh, they're flawed and evil because they were created by an impure spirit. And so an impure spirit created all the material world, and that's why the, there's evil, and that's why... Uh, everything uh, that's material is flawed, and everything that is spiritual is not. Now, they believe that the God of Abraham, Jehovah, Yeshua, was the impure creator spirit. So, so because we see through, through Israel's history for different reasons, that, you know, that God revealed himself as creator, so they say, well, that was the impure spirit. And, but the real God who is good, who is pure, who is, who is right, is distant and is not easy to know. They also say that in order to be free of the material world, the evil uh, that's in this world and, and their own um, body, so to speak, this would be coined as salvation, a person needed to get gnosis. And gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. The special Knowledge needed uh, to have. And that was a secret or special knowledge given through enlightenment by the divine. And so there was this, this seeking to be enlightened, to receive this divine knowledge from, from the good God, the good creator, that then helped you separate and come distant from uh, your, uh, your material evil side of you. Now, there were two classes of, of people or, or Christians. Uh, one they would call enlightened, who were the truly very spiritual ones because 
they took the time and investment and the hard, arduous work of seeking enlightenment uh, through a lot of different means. But but they were they were the truly truly spiritual. And then there was the everyday average man or woman who had to work, who had to raise a family, who was, you know, just lived life a lot like you and me. And, and these were believed to never be able to really realize true religion, that they were, they were really held in contempt by this elite class of enlightened people uh, because they were special, they have received, they were working hard, they were the true spiritual and these others were earthbound. They, they were bound by the cares of this world and, and uh, would never really understand and realize true, true religion. Uh, the concept of sin and repentance was replaced with a concept of illusion and enlightenment. You're either uh, in a state of illusion or you've been enlightened. There was no sin and repentance. Now, uh, this resulted here on earth in kind of a couple of different responses, but uh, because the, the body was seen to be separate and physical and evil and immoral and, and, and all those kinds of things, but the spirit inside uh, w- was seeking to separate, you had people who would physically harm themselves uh, because it was evil, whether it was uh, self-harm or extreme fasting or um, you, you've seen some of, uh, uh, I, f- I forgot the term for it, but where people purposefully uh, put on like belts with, with hooks and they, um, they hurt themselves as a penance, so, so to speak, to purge themselves of this evil of their body. So a lot of, a lot of um, self-asceticism um, where, the, where, you, where you deprive yourself of things. Or they would go to the other extreme and, and said, hey, physical indulgences don't matter because salvation is spiritual. So then people would um, get drunk, uh, you know, wild orgies, uh, all the indulgences of the flesh. It didn't really matter because salvation was not in those things. It was in, the, in being enlightened and spiritual. So you had these two, two extremes. And then lastly, they believed that Jesus was an ambassador, was sent by the good God to bring this gnosis, this knowledge to the earth um, because uh, the real God was so hard to know and to understand. So it's a very um, brief overview. Uh, there's a whole lot more to it, but it gives you, I wanted to give you some insight of the teachings, the false kinds of teachings that were going on in the church in the first and second century. And it's important to know this. These teachings weren't being taught by people outside the church. These were people who were or had been a part of the church. For whatever reason, I don't know, did they get bored with Christianity and say, hey, there's got to be more to it than this? Was it the influence of the Greeks and their knowledge mixing that with the religion? Was it... I'm not going to attempt to to understand uh, what caused people to develop this and, and, and merge the two, but they were being taught uh, by people who were inside the church. And John alludes to this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. He says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, 
Even now, many, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, that sounds a bit confusing, but he's describing the Antichrist and, the, and the, the spirit of the false prophet. It wasn't this other religion coming from the outside contending against Christianity. It came from within. It came from within the church, um, which is important for us to understand, which is why John is writing the, uh, the letter of First John. So with this understanding, this context, and understanding the kind of religions that were going on, we look at 1 John, and last week it was important for us, we pointed out in the first four verses that John established the fact that Jesus is God. He's not a messenger, he's not an ambassador, he's not a subsequent smaller deity, he is God. So it just, it does away with the point of in, in the Gnostic society that said, hey, Jesus was a messenger from the real God to bring us special knowledge. John is saying, no, Jesus is and was God. Um, so you, you can kind of see why he was so emphatic about opening up with that. And today we're going to pick it up in verse 5. We're going to go uh, just six verses, 5 through 10. So let's, let's just read them and then we'll jump into it. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So today I want to focus on the fact, and, and right there in, in verse 5, John starts right off and he says, this is the message we heard from him, who? From Jesus Christ, who they just articulated was God. And he's now declaring to you, the reader, God is light. It's three, three words, God is light. The rest of the verses all really point to that piece. Um, why does it matter that God is light? How do we respond to that information? But he's saying this, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Now, uh, the light and darkness contrast um, is symbolic. And, and it's, a, it's symbolism that the Bible has been developing really since Genesis. You can follow, um, for those of you, if you're ever interested in doing a study of light and dark, and what does it mean throughout Scripture, you can go from Genesis where God created the light all the way uh, through Revelation. And, and it contrasts light and dark. Um, it's, it's a cool... I, I found it hard to try to be concise this morning because I know preaching-wise we I got like 30 to 40 minutes and I, we could just talk about that topic alone for all morning, and but we can't. So, uh, one thing is this is true is I love the fact 
God has opened my eyes to, to this, and, and I see it all the time. And I love the fact that God gives us natural things to help us understand supernatural things. And this is one of those cases. Uh, if you say, well, how do you know that? Well, Romans 1.20, for the invisible qualities of God are seen in the created so that we're without excuse. He gave us the creation to help us understand. It doesn't reveal everything about God, but it helps us understand spiritual things. And this is one of those. What does he mean by light? Uh, and we're going to dig into that this morning. So think about this in the natural sense. What is light necessary for? There's three categories of things that, that life is, uh, light is necessary for and helps us with. The first, light is necessary for navigation. Right? Uh, you can't see where you're going without light. Now, I know you could say, well, Pastor Steve, we got modern instruments and GPS and satellite tracking. No, just strip all that away. We're talking about you and you alone. You know, you're, you're, you're in the middle of the woods and you have nothing on you and it's pitch black. Can you see where you're going? You, you, no, no. You need, you need light. You need to put a headlamp on where there's light or you need to wait till the sun comes up. Light is necessary to navigate, to know where you're navigating. And darkness obscures that path, right? It's awesome that at, uh, uh, in, in the mariner world, the uh, people who um, captained ships, uh, long before they had uh, GPS and satellites and all that, they would navigate at night by the stars. And... and how are they able to do that? Because the stars em emit light. So they're able to see, hey, these are fixed lights that don't move, and we can navigate according to that light. Uh, so one of the things we see is that, naturally speaking, you need light in order to navigate. Uh, whether you see a light and move towards it, uh, whether it's light out and you can see where you're going to find your way, uh, we need light. That's why cars have headlamps, right? You, you, we need light. And so, what does that mean in a spiritual realm? Well, look at the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So he's saying, Lord, your word is like light. It illuminates, it helps me navigate this world. And then look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. Anyone ever, ever been there where it's been so dark, you're walking, you trip over something, you have no idea what, what that was? You know, when I, when I was uh, younger and my, and my kids were younger, sometimes those things were Legos, right, in the middle of the floor. You step on a leg and you're like, ah, like you all of a sudden lose Christianity for like 30 seconds while you're, every thought's going through your head about, it's just this deep darkness that he's comparing that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They have, they just trip and stumble around through life and they don't even know why, what's causing them to to, to tumble and trip up, but he's like, man, the way of the righteous is like when the sun is coming up in the morning in the brightest of day, I can see 
and enjoy. And then Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that spiritual example is this, that through God we are able to navigate our lives. We're able to find truth. We're able to, we're able to walk through this world and navigate it as if we had the sun and we could see where we're going instead of stumbling like through the darkness in this life and wondering, geez, I, I wonder what just tripped me up. I wonder where I'm going. Am I headed the right direction? You hear what I'm saying? This is... As the light brings us the ability to navigate, and so does God. The ability to navigate this life, to know truth, to know direction, to know where we're headed and what we're going. Light is necessary for navigation. The second thing that light is necessary for is life. Uh, light is necessary for all living things to grow. Uh, you can plant a seed, you can give it water, you can give it all the nutrients in the soil that it needs, but if it never gets the daylight, that baby ain't growing. Try it sometime. I mean, something might pop out of the ground if you put it in the darkness, but it's not going far. Plant something in your basement other than moss and see what happens. You know, it, it won't grow. It needs the light to grow. It's also necessary for continued health. I think all of us feel those effects this time of the year, don't we? When there's the lack of vitamin D. Right? Man, I just need to get out and get some sun because the sun provides some vitamin D and some, some health. Let me give you an example. We had a, a plant in our dining room that Lori had put up on a, on a shelf because it, you know, it looked like it would go, go well there. I mean, that thing... Looked terrible. It looked like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree on a very smaller scale. It was like two little like leggy things coming out, and it looked pathetic. And she said, um, "Maybe I'm just not good. Maybe I just kill everything. I don't know." And she just said, "Hey, let's move it in front of the window. Maybe it just needs more light." And um, there it is now. Like it's a beautiful flourishing. Now every window in our dining room, you can tell like there's two windows. They both have plants in front of them because we found the secret. They need light to grow. Amazing. Amazing. Well, the same is true for us for life. God is our source of life. He's not only our creator, he's also our sustainer. Look at Psalm chapter 27 verse 1. The psalmist said this, the Lord is my Light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? He's like, man, the Lord, has, he, he causes me to flourish. He, he's my light. He, he, I'm sure the psalmist was talking about more than just his life, maybe his navigation as well, but he's saying, man, my life is in God. He, he strengthens me. He sustains me. He brings me me health. If when I'm not in him, his presence or with him, I don't grow. I get malnourished. I get weak. I, I get ugly. I get all of these things. It's necessary for life. And I was talking uh, about this topic today with my family around the table. One of my boys brought up the, the, the thought of when you, they take submarines deep, deep, deep down to the bottom of the ocean where there's no light. Um, 
the stuff that grows there is really nasty and ugly looking, right? And it's just the contrast that not much grows down there, and what does is pretty scary looking. And isn't that the truth uh, with our lives? When, when God is involved and God is our source of life, we, we flourish. We're, we're healthy. Things are right. But when we remove God, man, just the, the deepest, ugliest part of us just is what grows. And so God is necessary. John chapter 1, 3 through 4 says this about uh, God being the light. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Say, man, God is our source of life. Just like light is a source of life. Without it, we don't have life at all. My wife was quick to point out um, the sun brings warmth. And that's important uh, to her this time of the year. So all the things that we need to flourish and to live is found in, in the light just as it is in God. The third thing uh, that's necessary that light does for us is light reveals. You say, well, what do you mean light reveals? Uh, In light, there's every single color in the spectrum. It reveals beauty. Sitting here today, you wouldn't know that that background is brown and those lights are bluish-purple. I don't know, and the carpet's red, and the, and the ceiling is brown, and, you know, and I'm wearing gray. And if, without light, it would be one color. Light reveals beauty. It, it reflects. Um, here's a picture that I took when, when I was out west uh, at Glacier National Park, and it's just beautiful. You stand up there, and the, and the, the water, the lake is like turquoise, and and the greenery contrasted with the white. It's just you stand there and you're, you're amazed at the beauty. And that's because of light. All the spectrum light. How many of us don't stop when we see a rainbow after a rainstorm? We go, wow, love. It's good. All the colors of the rainbow are there. It's just, it reveals beauty. Now look at, this, again, the psalmist, the 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. You see, God reveals beauty to us. We see it in creation, but we we see the, the beauty and the glory and the majesty of God when we come into contact with Him. It grows within our heart, within our lives, and we understand that's what we seek to connect with, the, the, the beauty of who God is. Here's a, another picture I took last year when I was sailing. The skies declare the beauty of the Lord. It's just amazing. Without light, I, I wouldn't be able to see any of that, nor would you. It reveals beauty. And, and, and God reveals his majesty to us and his, his awesomeness and his, all of those things. He's He's self-revealing, as one commentator put it. God's not trying to hide from you. Which is what what goes completely against the Gnostic frame of mind, that man, God is very distant and he's really hard to know and understand. You're going to have to work really hard to get to know him. And when God says, hey, I am light, 
I'm self-revealing. I'm revealing myself all over the place. I'm not trying to hide from you. But also, light also reveals the dangers that are lurking in the shadows, right? Right? How many times, you know, when you come home and maybe you're coming home alone and I can remember as a, as a young person when I was first starting to stay home alone, my mom would go out or whatever, I'd come home from work and the house would be dark and I'd open the door and the first thing I'd reach in and light switch. Okay, whew. Now I can go in because there, there might be some monster hiding in a corner that's going to get me, right? Nobody ever did that when you were little. No kid, like, run and flick on the light switch and jump on your bed because something might in the dark get you. Light reveals. Uh, it, it, darkness cannot overcome light. Light overcomes darkness, and it reveals potential dangers lurking in the shadows. And that's what God does for us too. God gives us wisdom. Right? In, uh, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, God wants to reveal to you wisdom. He wants to reveal to you decision-making. Walk in the right way. That's not the right way. What's good for you? What's potential danger? That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life too, this leading us into what is right, into what is good, into what is true. And he wants to reveal these things to us. Just as light reveals potential dangers in corners or other kinds of places, God reveals to us things that could harm us, that could hurt us, that could throw us off. And he illuminates these things for us. So as we're talking about light and what light represents, light represents all that is good. It represents the ability to navigate. It represents life and health. And it represents this revealing of beauty, of majesty, of glory, of wisdom. This is what we talk about when we talk about the symbolism of light. Now we contrast that with darkness. And darkness is just that. It's the opposite of light. It represents symbolically of all that is evil and all that is opposed to what's in the light. Death, chaos, confusion, destruction, unhealthiness, right? That's the things that represent darkness. When, when we're uh, having a tough bout with maybe depression, we say, man, my mind was in a dark place. Right? We, under, we understand this because, man, my mind was going to a place that was not healthy, that wasn't good. Or, you know, somebody really is nasty on the road and you have a bit of road rage, right? Your mind goes to a dark place. We've all experienced that phenomenon of going to a dark place in our mind. And think about it, it's completely opposite of who you want to be, what you know is healthy, what is good and what is right and what is just and what is true. So darkness represents the complete opposite. The crazy thing is this, is we talk about uh, Jesus as God and Jesus as light and um, people say, well, you know, God, Jesus was just a good moral teacher. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That Jesus there is claiming that he is God, right? He's saying, I am the light of the world. And when we talk about this symbolism, we know that, that light has been used to contrast what is good, what is right, what is pure, what is true. And he's saying, hey, those who walk with me will always walk in those things. So that we understand some, some back history of false teachings, we understand the symbolism of, of light and darkness, let's look into what John then is actually communicating to us. How, how does this matter in our lives? As we look into uh, the rest of 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says this, If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in, dark, in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So he's contrasting this here. He says, our claim to know Jesus and to, and to be one with Jesus must be accompanied and lived out physically. Which addresses issues of today, but also addressed issues of then, where people said, listen, it really doesn't matter what I do on this earth as long as I obtain enlightenment, because that's what matters. How I live my life here doesn't matter. And John is saying, listen, if you claim to be one with Jesus and walking with him, your life needs to reflect it. Because he is light. There is no darkness in him. So if you are walking in darkness, then you're not really in the light because he's, he's not in darkness. Now you say, well, that can be very condemning because none of us are perfect. That's not what John is addressing here. Because there's other scriptures that talk about the believer who's unable to sin. And we know that that's not true either. This is the point that John is saying. He's addressing the fact that if there's, there's, this, there's no desire to, to walk in the light, there's no desire to become like Christ, then that's revealing in and of itself that you're not really walking with him. So if there's these, this, these activities and there are these thought processes in your life that really are associated with darkness, and, and again... God is the standard of light, not what we say, what we think. Right? So God is the standard of what is, what is light, what is true, what is right, what is good, what is healthy. That God is that standard, and he reveals that to us, not our opinions. And so if we look at God's standards, and then there are things in our life that we're like, nah, I'm okay with that. John is saying, hey, um, what you're claiming and how you're living don't match. We have a problem. And church, this is really important for us to understand today because uh, the, the church, in, like those days, has gone all over the map when it comes to sin and sin in the believer's life and how do we address that? Does it matter? Doesn't it matter? All of these kinds of things. And John is saying it matters. It matters how we live.
We can't claim to know Jesus and then not care how we live here on this earth. And just say, ah, his grace is sufficient for me. I, he loves me. It has to matter to us. Now, we're not talking about perfection. Man, there are things that I think and say and do that I'm like, God, why? Why when I'm upset do I gravitate to that? Why when I'm hungry does that come out of my mouth? Like, I know that's not right. But internally, I'm not happy with that. I'm asking God to help me, to, to help me learn and to grow and distance myself. That's not what we're talking about. That's a healthy life. That's a desire to walk in the light and, 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 and attempt to. What we're talking about are the, are the sins we have in our life that, oh well, it doesn't matter. God will forgive me. Let's move on. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, the idea of sin in our culture today is trying to be erased. Uh, we, we're not comfortable with the thought process that we could possibly be sinners. Other people can be sinners, but I'm not a sinner. And the idea of pointing out sin or talking about sin makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Because instantly what comes up is, don't judge me. Right? Well, I'll speak for myself. When somebody's pointing out my sin, the first thing I think is, yeah, well, you might point out your sins too, buddy. Like, like, that's just what comes in. Like, I'm not comfortable with the fact of the thought process that I'm, I'm not fully good. I don't like to think in terms of that. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, nor is it healthy for me to think like the Gnostics did, that, man, I am completely worthless. The only thing good about me is my spirit. I don't care what happens to this body. That's an extreme too. And John is saying, right in the middle here, he says, listen, if you claim to be without sin, you're deceiving yourselves, and there's no truth in you. Ouch. But then he goes on in verse 9. But if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's addressing both sides of these equations. He's saying, listen, if you think you're sinless, man, wake up and smell the roses. But if you think, man, you're no good, uh, I sin, I'm a terrible person, listen, if you confess your sin, God will purify you and you'll be clean. So he's, in two verses, he's addressing both extremes. And church, that's where we need to embrace and say, listen, yes, I am a sinner. I do terrible things. I'm not happy with it. That sin in my life, that sin in my life, and that sin in my life. And by God's grace, he's forgiven me, he's purifying me, and I'm trying to separate myself from these things. That's walking in the light. That's walking in what God's ideas of sin and forgiveness is. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Man, John, like, he starts off super nice, like, God is light. There's no darkness in him. Like, there shouldn't be any darkness in you either. That's basically 
what he's telling us. He says, look, there's darkness in you. There shouldn't be. But if you confess it, man, God will purify you of that. And if you claim you have no darkness, if you claim, man, you're all, all that in a bag of chips, um, you're basically a liar, you're deceiving yourself, and you're calling God a liar because God says you're a sinner and walking in darkness. John says a lot in five verses, doesn't he? So, what's our practical application here that we can walk away with today? God is light. Everything you need to live on this earth and be healthy and and grow and, and navigate this world is found in God. Everything is found in God. There is nothing that you need to, to live in this world and to, and to walk through this life that doesn't exist in God. Nothing. There are things we like and we want, like, you know, like a decent house, like to drive a you know, truck, like it's good to have a job and make some money, like, you know, but the things that you need to be healthy and successful and, and, and happy and all of those kinds of things are found in God. And he's saying, listen, if you'll walk in the light with me, you might not understand it, the way I navigate, you might not know what's going on. The, the, the nur- nutrients and the nourishment and what I tell you to abstain from and what I tell you to, to embrace and to do, it might, it might, man, I just don't get that, God. Why? Why? But listen, if you will walk with me, I, God has everything you need to live life on this earth and get to the end healthy and get to the end and live with him for an eternity. He has it all. No darkness exists in him, only light. The other thing we bring from this is you, we do live with this, with this constant tension of, of the, the spirit side of us desiring the things of God. And the natural, material, earthly part of us uh, that desires uh, the darkness. You say, well, you know, Pastor Steve, I'm not so sure if that thing that I struggle with, I would classify as darkness. Well, that's fine if you don't classify as darkness, but the Bible classifies it as darkness. Okay, it's anything, darkness is anything that's not in the light. So if you say, hey, is that synonymous with who God is? And if the answer is no, then the Bible classifies that as darkness. And, and we will live with that tension in our lives until the day we go home to be with him. You, you won't escape it completely. You say, wow, that's, thank you for that, I guess. No, the key is here that John is telling us because God is in the light and, and we desire to walk in the light with him, we confess the darkness that's in us and when we do that, 
God purifies us from that. So it doesn't, it's no longer between us. We don't have to walk around with guilt and shame and all of these kinds of things that religion can do to us. Like, oh, I just need to always feel bad about myself. No, you need to feel bad for that. At that moment, you take it to God. He cleanses, he purifies you. You live and you move on it, walking in the light. That's how you deal with the tension. You desire to always be living in the light. And when you find yourself in the darkness, you correct and walk towards the light again. That's how we deal with the tension. God is light. And he desires to have fellowship with you and for you to have fellowship with one another as we all walk in the light. True fellowship can't happen when people are, are loving walking in darkness and others are love walking in light. The fellowship between those two can't happen. Not real fellowship. Respect that they're uh, made in God's image, uh, respect and and a love for them, but when we're talking about true koinonia fellowship that Scripture is talking about, it can't happen. Light and darkness have nothing in common. And so you can love people that are in darkness and try to love them into light, but the, the fellowship that we desire between people, right? Where, okay, we love God, but God, I want some deep friends. I, want pe- I just want these relationships with other people that, man, we just connect at the heart level. Guess what? That only happens when you're fellowshipping with others who are in the light and God is at the center of it. That, that deep fellowship can happen. And so you're either going to have to do one of two things. You're going to have to look for other people who, who love the light, who might not look like you or have different hobbies than you and those kinds of things or you're, or you're going to have to lower your standard and dabble in the darkness. Scripture tells us that when we walk in the light we have fellowship with God and one another. So let's commit to walk in the light. Let's commit to say, God, I'm going to look to you for my source of life, for my navigation, to reveal your beauty, to reveal uh, what you think about me. Uh, I'm going to look to you for those things, and I'm going to walk in the light, and when I find myself walking towards darkness, I'm going to self-correct, and I'm going to come back. If I find the sin in my life, I'll confess it, and I'll allow you to purify me, but I'm going to be a child of the light. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning that that you are God and that you are light. And that light is our life. That it's in you that we find uh, our, our, our existence, our, our, our health, our, our growth. It's in you that we find Uh, the ability to navigate this world and discover truth and discover what's right and what's just and all of these things is found in you. And Lord, through you, you reveal to us glory and majesty and the beauty around us.
So Lord, we ask this morning that you'd help us to walk in the light. That Lord, when we discover areas in our life that are not synonymous with that and we're drifting towards darkness, Lord, would, would you uh, be so gracious to point that out to us? And, and then Lord, would, be, would we be quick to confess those sins and return to walking in the light? Lord, we do love you. We thank you for saving us, for, for giving us everything we need to, to live a, a fully wholesome, healthy, uh, joyous experience on this earth in you. We bless you and we worship in your holy name. Amen. Amen, church.